Chapter Five of the Three Mullamulgars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Three Mullamulgars by Walter de la Mare. Chapter Five. By this time it was plain Thimble and Thumb had found something to raise them to the window hole, for Nod, as he glanced up, saw half of both their astonished faces, one eye of each, peering in at the window. He waved his lean little arms, and their faces vanished. "'Why do you wave your long thumbs in the air?' said the old Gunga uneasily. "'I wave to Tishnar,' said Nod, "'who watches over her wandering princes, and will preserve them from thieves and cunning ones. And as for your filthy green weed soup, how should a Mulla Mulgar soil his thumbs with gutting fish?' And as for the water-midden song, that I cannot teach you, nor would I teach it you if I could, Master Fish-Catcher, but I can catch fish with it. The old Gunga squatted close on his stool, and grinned as graciously as he could. I am poor and growing old, he said, and I cannot catch fish as once I could. How is that done, O royal traveller? Nod stood up and put his fingers on his lips. Secrets, puss, says he and stepped softly over and peeped out of the door. He came back. "'Listen,' he said, "'I go down to the water at daybreak. Oh, yes, just at daybreak. Then I row out a little way in my little bobbery. Quite, quite alone. No one must be near to spy or listen. Then I cast my nets into the water and sing and sing.' "'What nets?' said the Gunga. Nod dodged a criss-cross with his finger in the air. "'Sootly, sootly!' mewed Puss, with her eyes half shut. The old Gunga wriggled his head with his great lips sagging. "'What happens then?' said he. "'Then,' said Nod, "'from far away and near my magic draws the fishes, head, fin, and tail, hundreds and hundreds, all to hear my water-midden's lovely song.' "'And then what?' said Gunga. "'Then,' said Nod, peeping with his eye, I look and look till I see the biggest fish of all, seven, eight, nine times as big as that up there, and I draw him out gently, gently, just as I choose him, into my bobbery. And wouldn't any fish come to the little prince unless he fished alone? said the greedy Gunga. None, said Nod. But there, why should we gossip of fishing? My boat is far away. But, said Gunga cunningly, I have a boat. Oh, hey, maybe, said Nod easily. One cannot drown on dry land. But I did speak of a bobbery of skin and bamboo wood, made by the stamping Umgarnagas next the sea. Aye, said the Gunga triumphantly, but that's just what my bobbery is made of. And I broke the backbone of the Umgarnaga chief that made it with one cuff of my cudgel hand. Nod yawned. Tishnar's prince is tired, he said, and cannot talk of fishes any more. A bowlful more broth, master fish-catcher, and then I'll put on my jacket and go to sleep. And he laughed, oh so softly to himself, to see that sooty, gluttonous, velvety face, and the red gleaming eyes, and the thick, twitching thumbs. Oot snugly, coughed the Gunga sourly. He ladled out the broth, bobbing with broken pods, with a great nutshell, muttering angrily to himself as he stooped over the pot, 
and there, as soon as he had turned his back, came those two dark, wondering faces at the window, grinning to see little Nod so snug and comfortable before the fire. And when the Gunga had poured out the broth, he brought his stool nearer to Nod, and leaning his great hands on the floor, he said, "'See here, Prince of Tishnar, if I lend you my skin Barbary to-morrow morning, will you catch me some fish with your magic song?' Nod frowned and stared into the fire. "'The crafty Gunga would be peeping between the trees,' he said, "'and then—' "'What then?' said he. "'Then Tishnar's meermuts would come with their silver thongs "'and drive you squalling into the water, "'and the middens would pick your eyes out, Master Fish-catcher.' "'I promise, I promise,' said the old Gunga, "'and his enormous body trembled. "'Where is this talked of, Bobbery?' said Nod solemnly. "'Was it that old log Nod saw when whispering with the water middens?' "'Follow, follow,' said the other. "'I'll show the prince this log.' But first Nod stooped under the bench, and pulled out his sheep's coat, and put it on. Then he followed the old fish-catcher down his frosty path, between its banks of snow, clear now in the silver shining of the moon. The fish-catcher showed him everything, how to untie the knotted rope of Samarak, how to use the paddles, where the mooring-stone for deep water was. He held it up in his hand, a great round stone as big as a millstone. Nod listened and listened, half hiding his face in his jacket, lest the Gunga Mulgar should see him laughing. Last of all, the fish-catcher, lifting him lightly in his hand, pointed across the turbid water, and bade him have care not to drift out far in his fishing, for the stream ran very swiftly, the ice-flows or hummocks were sharp and under the shining one, he said, snorting river-horses, and the weeping mumbo-lurk. "'Never fear, Master Fish-catcher,' said Nod. "'Tishnar will watch over me. How many big fish, now, can the old glutton eat in comfort?' The Gunga lifted his black bony face, and glinted on the moon. Five would be good,' he said. Ten would be better.' "'Oh, hey, do not count, royal traveller. "'It makes the head ache after ten. "'And he thought within himself what a fine thing it was "'to have kept this magic Mulgar, this prince of Tishnar, for his friend, "'when he might in his rage have flung him clean across Obiamunza "'into that great baobab-tree, grey in the moon. "'He shall teach me the midden song, and then I'll fish for myself,' "'he thought, all his thick skin stirring on his bones with greed.' So he cozened and cringed and flattered, and used Nod as if he were his mother's son. He made him lie on his own bed. He put on him a great skin ear-cap. He filled a bowl with the hot fish-water to bathe his feet, and he fetched out from a littered hole in the floor a necklet of scalloped bomba-shells, and hung it round his slender neck. But Nod, as soon as he lay down, began thinking of those poor Mullamulgars, his brothers, hungry and shivering in the tree-tops, and he pondered how he could help them. Presently he began to chafe and toss in his bed, to sigh and groan. Up started the old Gunga from his corner beside the fire. "'What ails the prince? Why does he groan? Are you in pain, Mullamulgar?' "'In pain?' cried Nod, as if in a great rage. "'How shall a prince sleep with twice ten thousand Gunga-fleas in his blanket?' 
He got up, dragging after him the thick Munzaram's fleece off his bed, and opening the door, flung it out into the snow. "'Try that, my hungry hopping ones,' he said, and pushed up the door again. "'Now I must have another one,' he said. The old fish-catcher excused himself for the fleas. "'It is cold to comb in the doorway,' he said, rubbing his flat nose, and he took another woolly skin out of his earth cupboard and laid it over Nod. "'That one's for Thumb,' Nod said to himself, laughing, and presently once more he began fretting and tossing. "'Oh, oh, oh!' he cried out. "'What, more of ye? More of ye?' And with that away he went again, and flung the second ram's fleece after the first. "'Master Traveller,' yelped the old fish-catcher, starting up, "'if you throw all my blankets out, those thieves, the smudge-faces, will steal them.' "'Better no blankets than a million fleas,' said Nod. "'And yours, Master Fish-catcher, are as greedy as ticks. And now I think I will sleep by the fire.' Then the first peep of day will shine in my eyes from that little window-hole up there, and wake me to my fishing. Uds muchikis, so be it, growled the Gunga, but he was very angry underneath. Wait ye, wait ye, wait ye, my pretty squirrel-tail, he kept muttering to himself as he sat with crossed arms, for every blanket a bobbery or great fish. But Nod had never felt so merry in his life to think of his brothers wrapped warm in the Gunga Mulgar's blankets. He laughed aloud. "'What ails the traveller? What is he mocking at now?' said the fish-catcher, glowering out of his corner. "'Why,' said Nod, "'I laugh to hear the mice in this box hanging over my head.' "'Mice,' said the Gunga. "'Why, yes, a score or more,' said Nod, "'and one old husky mudikin keeps saying—' Nibblal, nibblal, leave not one hole, my little pretty ones, not the crumb of a crumb for the ugly old glutton. I think, O oh generous Gunga, she means the bread of sud. I smell. At that the Gunga flamed up in a fury. He rushed to his food-box, shouting, Will ye, O oh will ye, ye nibbling thieves? And opening the door, he flung it after the blankets. Sudloves, nanos, river-weed and all, and he stood a minute in the doorway, looking out on the cold moonlit snow. "'Shut to the door, shut to the door, Master Fish-catcher,' called Nod. "'I hear a distant harp-playing.' The Gunga very quickly shut the door at that, but he came to the fire and stood leaning on his hand, looking into it very sullen and angry. "'Did I not say it, Prince of Tishnar?' he said. "'My blankets are gone, already stolen.' "'Sleep softly, my friend,' said Nod, "'and weary me not with talking. "'There's better rams in the forest than ever were flayed. "'Your blankets will creep back, never fear, "'even to a mullabrock his own fleas. "'But there, I'll make magic even this very moment, "'and to-morrow, when you go down to the river to fetch up the fish, "'there shall your blankets be, "'folded and civeted on the stones by the water.' Then he rose up in his littleness, and began to dance slowly from one foot to the other, waving his lean arms over the fire, and singing, in the secret language of the Mulla Mulgars, as loud as ever he could, Thumb, thimble, Mulgar, mees, in your blankets dream at ease, and never mind the frozen fleas, but don't forget the loaves and cheese. It is very strange magic, said the fish-catcher. Nay, said Nod, they were very strange fleas. And thumb-thimble, what does that mean? 
thumb means short and fat and thimble means long and lean which is mulgar royal for both kinds master fish-catcher oh he the prince knows best said the old gunga but i never heard such magic and i watched the dancing oomgars leagues and leagues from here and drummed them home to their shes nod yawned as soon as it was daybreak the old fish-catcher who had scarcely slept a wink for thinking of the fishes he was to have for his breakfast came and woke up nod and nod said now i go master fish-catcher but be sure you do not venture one toe's breadth beyond the door till you hear me bringing back the fishes how can the prince carry them fish as big as that said the gunga one at a time my friend as ephelantos root up trees said nod staring at his bristling arms and tusks of teeth oh he he went on when you hear my sweet-sounding water-midden song you will not be able to keep yourself from peeping you must be bound with cullum master fish-catcher oh i should weep rivers full of salt tears if the water-middens picked your gentle eyes out at first the cunning old gunga would not consent to being bound up but nod refused to stir until he did so at last he fetched a thick rope of samarak which is stronger and tougher than cullum out of his old chest or coffer and nod wound it round and round him legs arms and shoulders and tied the ends to the great fish scaly table sit easy my friend said he my magic begins wonderfully to burn in me and without another word he skipped out and pulled up the door behind him words could not tell how rejoiced were his brothers to see him from their tree-tops come frisking across the snow away went the travellers in the first light hastening like thieves in their jackets nod in his sheep's coat leading the way they left the blankets as nod had promised the gunga then one two three they pushed the bobbery into the deep water in jumped nod in jumped thimble in jumped thumb out splashed the heavy paddles and soon the bobbery was floating like a cork among the ice humps in the red glare of dawn they shoved off thumb at one paddle thimble and nod at the other the farther they floated the swifter swept the water and soon however hard they pushed at the heavy paddles the bobbery began twirling round and round zigzagging faster and faster down with the stream but scarcely were they more than fifteen fathoms from the bank when a shrill and piercing illa ola illa ola broke out behind them no need to look back there on the bank in his glistening fish-skins gnashing his teeth and beating with his crusted hands on the drum of his great chest stood the terrible gunga mulgar his samarak ropes all burst asunder he stooped and tore up huge stones and lumps of ice as big as sheep and flung them high into the air after the tossing bobbery splash 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 they fell around the three poor sweating travellers drenching them with water and melting snow the faster they paddled the faster swirled the water and the thicker came tumbling the gunga's huge boulders of stone and ice let but one fall plump upon their bobbery down they would go to be mumbo-meat for good and all but even farther the surging water was sweeping them on suddenly the hailstones ceased and they spied their dreadful enemy swinging furiously back on his thick five-foot arms gone 
gone!' cried Thimble in triumph, leaning breathless on his paddle. "'Crow when your egg's hatched, brother Thimble,' muttered Thumb. "'He's gone to fetch his bow.' True it was. Down swung the gibbering Gunga, his Umgarnugga's bow across his shoulder. Crouching by the waterside, he stretched its string with all his strength, and a thin, keen dart sung shrill as a parakeet over their heads. Again, again, and then it seemed to nod a red-hot skewer had suddenly spitted him through the shoulder, and he knew the fish-catcher had aimed true. He plucked the arrow out and waved it over his head, scrunching his teeth together, and saying nothing save, "'Paddle, Thimble! Paddle, O Thumb!' Mightily they leaned on their broad, unwieldy paddles. But now, not looking where the water was sweeping them, of a sudden the bobbery butted full tilt into a great hummock of ice, and water began welling up through a hole in the bottom. Nod knelt down, and while his brothers paddled, he flung out the water as fast as he could with his big fish-skin cap. But fast though he bailed, the water rilled in faster, and just as they floated under a long snow-laden branch of an olaconda tree, the bobbery began to sink. Then Thimble cried in a loud voice, Guzza, guzza, nehu! And with a great leap, sprang out of the boat and caught the drooping branch. Thumb clutched his legs and gnawed thumbs, and there they were, all three swinging over the water, while the branch creaked and trembled over their heads. Down sank the staved-in bobbery, and up, one, two, three, four, five, floated huge, sluggish mumbos, or cockadrillos, with dull, grass-green eyes, fixed gluttonously on the dangling mulgars, and a thick muskiness filled the air around them. Inch by inch, Thimble edged along the bow, until, because of the jutting twigs and shoots, he could edge no farther. Then slowly and steadily at first, but gradually faster, the three travellers began to swing, sweeping to and fro through the air above the enraged and snapping cockadrillos. The wind rushed past Nod's ears, his jacket flapped about him. "'Go!' squealed Thumb, and away whisked Nod, like a flying squirrel across the water, and landed high and dry on the bank under the wide-spreading Olaconda tree. Thumb followed. Thimble, with only his own weight to lift, quickly scrambled up into the boughs above him, and soon all three Mullamulgars were sitting in safety, munching what remained of the Gunga's sudbread, and between their mouthfuls, shouting mockery at the musky cockadrillos. While they were thus eating happily together, Thumb suddenly threw up his hands and called, "'Blood! Oh! Umanada! Blood! Red blood!' And then it seemed to nod. Trees, sky, and river swam mazily before his eyes. Darkness swept up. He rolled over against a jutting root of the Olaconda tree and knew no more. End of chapter 5